working on a Tuesday. Waking up. Enjoying the day as we're getting ready for uh, storms tonight. Rain tomorrow. Farmers need it. (laughs) We are such prisoners of the moment. I was uh, getting ready to come on the air today. And I'm sitting here watching, uh, flipping back and forth from yesterday's Brewers game. Brewers uh, taking on the Giants. And yesterday, really solid day at the ballpark, by the way. We'll get into that coming up here in a minute. But uh, the, uh, the, the argument is, and it comes up every time. When Duke and North Carolina play, it, it, it's every time these two teams go at it, there is a discussion that this is the greatest rivalry, not in college basketball, but in sports. And it just, and, and I'm not going to get into the discussion what is the best. I mean, there's Ohio State, Michigan, there's Auburn, Alabama in football, there's Red Sox, Yankees in baseball, there's Dodgers and, and Giants in baseball. I mean, you can go through the laundry list. You know, you can go Celtics and Lakers in basketball. You know, I, there, there's so many great rivalries. All right? So, and that's not even getting into the, uh, you know, internationally when it comes to, you know, soccer clubs and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but it's just every time there's a game that has any kind of ilk when it comes to Duke and North Carolina. This is the great. No, it's not. It's everything like that is subjective, but yet it's just like when we when we sit here in the Midwest and we get the uh, Yankees and Red Sox shoved down our throats and we just keep saying, this sucks. This sucks because all they care about is the East Coast. They don't get, you know, I, I personally think that the, the, the Cubs and the, the Brewers have turned into a really good rivalry. And it's been somewhat meaningful over the last decade. So I've enjoyed that, you know, uh, for years growing up as a kid, it was the Reds and the Dodgers was the big rivalry because they were in the West. You know, it, it just we are such prisoners of the moment and it just gets shoved down your throat and it just almost irritates. I don't know why it does. I don't know why it does, but it just gets somewhat irritating. So anyway, uh, that was something that uh, right away today I, I kind of let off the program with Brewers get a nice win yesterday, five to two, by the way. And Corbin Burns threw really solid baseball yesterday. Really solid. Uh, Corbin Burns, five innings, one hit, one run, a walk, eight strikeouts. Five innings, eight strikeouts. Nice day at the office for Corbin Burns. And then after that, they basically, uh, you know, pretty much for the most part, shut down San Francisco Giants. Uh, and that was a good that was a good lineup. It was Colton Wong yesterday, Lorenzo Kane, Christian Yelich, uh, McCutcheon, DHing, Willie Adamas, Rowdy Telez, uh, Hunter Renfro, Nervaez behind the plate, and uh, Peterson uh, over at third base. Nervaez, by the way, also gunning down a runner yesterday. So good day down at American Family Fields of Phoenix. That being said, you also have uh, baseball. Uh, excuse me, football practice today out at Camp Randall. That is culminating, so that is wrapping up. You've got that going on. The Packers fans are in a full-fledged panic. We'll talk about that. You've heard from now Brian Gutekinds earlier today. Matt LaFleur, by the way. Ben, Ben Kenny producing the show. Did you see Matt LaFleur this morning? Oh, yes, I did. Did it look like he had somebody said, Matt, you got a press conference in three minutes. Get out of bed. He, <laughs> it's, he looked tired, man. He looked wiped. As if maybe just this whole, 
Devontae Adams, no wide receivers, everybody's gone when it comes to the offensive weaponry. Like, it's just weighing on him, you know? He doesn't even know. He did say, and I thought about this. I don't know if you caught this, where he did say, a lot of this was Devontae's doing. Did you hear that? No, I missed that part. He said that this morning. He said, uh, he talked about how tough it was, and sometimes you got to make tough decisions. And he got into that, and then he very quietly slipped in the end. You know, and a lot of this was Devontae's doing, uh, basically saying, you know, and confirming what Tom Silverstein had confirmed, that, that Devontae just kind of wanted out. It was time for him to go. So he kind of threw that in as if to say, hey, it's not all on us. This was also some on Devontae Adams. I just wonder how that comment will be, will be felt. Uh, maybe by Devontae. I, I, I was just kind of waiting to see. Devontae's a pretty quiet dude. He doesn't do a whole lot social media-wise. I just wonder if anybody in Las Vegas picked up on that and they'll approach Devontae about that comment and and to see if he opens up to say, hey, I wanted to negotiate. They didn't. Or my my guy, Aaron Rodgers, took way too long. He took the money. Well, you know, I, I want to see what he says. If indeed, if anything, but I just, it was just a very quick little, you know, hey, we really, you know, you hate to lose a guy like that. Devontae's, uh, you know, the utmost talent on and on, a lot of praise. And this was also some of, you know, a lot of Devontae's doing. And then he goes on from there and I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. What? That was the first time you heard anybody publicly say basically, yeah, a lot of this was on Devontae. He just didn't want to be here. So I thought that was rather interesting. Uh, 877-867-1670. You want to hit us up, feel free to do so. 877-867-1670 over on Twitter at Bill underscore Michaels. At Bill underscore Michaels. You can find us there. Uh, Facebook fan page, facebook.com slash The Bill Michaels Show. Uh, over on YouTube, subscribership continues to go up. Thanks to everybody that continues to subscribe there. It's a great way to pay attention to the program. Uh, live or go back and watch it over again if you want to watch it. Uh, you can subscribe for free. Go to youtube.com slash Bill Michaels, M-I-C-H-A-E-L-S, Bill Michaels Show, and you can do that. And uh, you can also uh, email the program directly, thebillmichaels at gmail.com, thebillmichaels at gmail.com. You can also find us uh, over on uh, uh, the uh, Twitch TV. So a lot of different, a lot of different ways to get a hold of us. Uh, 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. If you want to hit us up, that's uh, that's the way to do so. So um, let's see here. A couple of different things that we can get to. Uh, by the way, I don't know if you saw the article, but uh, USA Today uh, goes along with kind of what we were talking about yesterday. I said 93, 94 wins, something like that for the Brewers. They say, they say 92. 92 and 70, the Brewers win the division by three games. Over the Cardinals, who they say eighty nine and seventy three, they after that it's not even close. The Cubs, Cincinnati, and Pittsburgh, none of them are picked to win more than seventy five games. Seventy five and 80, 87 for Chicago, seventy two and ninety for Cincinnati, and sixty and one hundred two for uh, Pittsburgh for the Pirates. How about that? So that's the way the uh, the division is supposed to be uh, kind of you know shaken out, so to speak. Dodgers, by the way, are picked again to win more than a hundred games. Uh, San Diego at eighty nine and seventy three, and San Francisco eighty seven and seventy five. 
than Colorado and Arizona out west. And in the east, they've got your Philadelphia Phillies winning 87 games this year, Ben. Is that about right for you? It's the right range, but I said yesterday, I'll believe it when I see it. Okay. They broke 500 for the first time in a decade last year, so Mm -hmm. baby steps. Yep. So there you go. That's uh, that's the way things uh, are supposed to shake out for uh for the National League. The American League, they've got uh, Toronto winning the East uh, by a game over Tampa Bay. New York and Boston trailing 88 wins and 87 wins and in Baltimore with 59. Uh Chicago winning the Central, followed by Minnesota, Detroit, Kansas City, Cleveland, and the West being won by Houston, then Seattle, then the Angels, Texas, and Oakland. And that's the way things kind of shake out, at least the preseason picks via um, via USA Today and their writers. So good. It's kind of kind of not bad if you're a, a Brewers fan about the area that we I kind of were thinking. Now, if everybody kind of plays to the back of their baseball card, you're probably going to see three to five more wins than 92. I don't know if the Brewers would get to 100. Uh, they had about as good a season as they could get last year, and they, they couldn't catch 100. But nevertheless, if they play to the back of their baseball card, I think you could probably end up with maybe 100, 101. It's not out of the realm of possibility. But I think 92 to 95, pretty fair statement. Pretty fair statement. Uh, so anyway, that's kind of where we stand today. And there's a myriad of things that we can talk about, uh, a lot of stuff today. I, I want to start off. With the the whole Packers panic thing. So, again, yesterday I was out last night, and the, the all the talk is, what are they going to do? Oh, my God, what are they going to do? Matt LaFleur is saying this morning they need a guy to blow the lid off. They need a guy that, that uh, uh, an experienced guy that can blow the lid off. If you take what Matt LaFleur stated this morning as any type of gospel, you got to think, you got to think that there's going to be something in the works. You got to. You got to think they got something else up their sleeve because he, he just sounded way too emphatic about the need for a, a, a veteran guy. He had talked about, um, he had talked about, the the how do I put this? He talked about the development of rookies and you know how how long much time it takes rookies to kind of get themselves together. And then he talked about having the need of blowing the lid off and 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 being able to stretch a defense and stuff. Those two did not they don't go hand in hand. So it, it, it's, it's almost as if there is something that's going to happen, which is why I'm not overly panicked right now. I know some Packers fans are, but I'm not. Uh, Brian Gutekinds talked about being able to do stuff with uh, Devontae Adams. That's gone now, but he says that uh, they have, uh, have money and some flexibility. Some of these things happen that maybe we wouldn't have been able to do. And so I think we have more flexibility now than we would have. But we're still not, you know, we're not footloose and fancy free with that. But at the same time, I think we have some flexibility that if the right player was there, we could acquire him. And I don't don't feel like we have too many restrictions there. So there's not too many restrictions. Not too many restrictions. I think they, I, I think they, they still have something up their sleeve. I just do. 
I just think that uh, they got something else going on. I'm, I'm not worried. I know some people are, but I'm just not. I, I still think now if they don't do anything, if they don't get a veteran, if they don't, uh, if if they don't get a veteran by the time they get to the NFL draft, then my assumption is they're going to trade up and they're going to go after some of the top quality guys that are there. I don't think you can just sit now. They may end up making a deal on draft night, trading away a draft pick or two or close to the draft, a draft pick or two to get themselves a, a veteran that they really like. But I, I'm not, I'm not of the mode just yet. And a lot, a lot of people are a lot of people, if they don't get a, if they don't get a veteran, and don't trade up in the draft to get one of these top four or five guys and then just think they're going to go into next year with some draft choices and what they have, then they're, they're, they're off base. Then this whole thing about bringing Rodgers back and paying the money and bolstering your defense and this and that, it's kind of a failure. I don't think you can just kind of build the arsenal and then take the bullets out of the gun, so to speak. I don't think you can do that. So we'll 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 see. that's why I just have a belief that Gutekinds is going to do something. They got something else up their sleeve. I believe it. Uh 877-867-1670 if you want to chime in, do it. Do you feel Brian Gutekinds has everything going in his direction and he's going to be good to go? No worries here. Or are you uh, among the panicked? Stay tuned, we'll talk more to you coming up next on the Bill Michael show. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back. Glad to have you. Bill Michael show. We continue on hour number two. We uh, kind of deviate away from some Packers chatter and some Badgers chatter and some Brewers chatter. Talk some college basketball and uh, we bring him back. He called his shot and I thought for sure that it was uh, was going to actually happen and it, it didn't. But that's OK, as now you have a terrific rivalry between Duke and North Carolina setting up one half of the final four. John Fanta back with us again. John, how you doing, pal? Hey, Bill. I'm doing well. I, I did call my shot. I guess I front-rimmed it. It was close. If Duke didn't go to a 2-3 zone, maybe Texas Tech would have pulled it off, but their Texas Tech zone's offense was not very good. And I'll tell you what, here we are, final four in New Orleans. You think about the last couple final fours last year, you had in, in Indianapolis, it just didn't have the same amount of buzz where you go from location to location throughout the weeks leading up to one centralized Final Four. And the year before that, we didn't even have an NCAA tournament. So it, it is interesting heading into this week that you have these four big brands, blue blood programs. I believe that Villanova constitutes itself as, as that they've won two of the last five national titles. They're looking for a third out of six here this week. It'll be hard, but this is a big-time Final Four, and it comes in New Orleans, and the Superdome has a Super Bowl type of ticket market value heading into Saturday because it's the first meeting ever 
between Duke and Carolina in the in the NCAA tournament, not just the Final Four, but the entire tournament. And it's Coach K's final ride. So will will Carolina double down from what they did at Cameron Indoor about a month back, or will Duke get sweet revenge? Fascinating. It is uh, interesting because Hubert Davis, his first go at it, and he's in the Final Four for North Carolina. Obviously, this could be the last go-round game-wise for Mike Krzyzewski, so there's that. Bill Self, no stranger to all of this. Kansas, a blue blood getting there. Is Jay Wright kind of getting lost in the shuffle, even though he's been there, done that for national titles before? He is because he lost his dynamic wing and Justin Moore with the Achilles tear brutal injury for justin and and obviously it's it's awful timing for it to come in a regional final with just a couple minutes but it was the most bittersweet reaction that we saw of the weekend from villanova there, there was a mix of tears and smiles but i do think jay wright is getting forgotten here's the thing nobody's won more over the last decade than jay wright and this villanova team limits possessions they make you really get attentive to detail. You're not going to be able to force turnovers off them. And, and not having more doesn't change that. What it changes is Villanova's defense because Moore is a great defender. Jay Wright brought up in his media availability yesterday that Moore can guard positions one to five and then Moore rebounds the basketball better than he gets credit for. So for Villanova, the fact is, Bill, is that they're basically down to five players. They don't have much of a bench. I mean, it's Brian Antoine and Chris Archidiacono, uh, the brother of Ryan. That, that's not a that's not a bench that's going to do it for you. They're going to need this starting five to carry the load. So Caleb Daniels will will come from being the sixth man on this team, and he is a good sixth man, and he'll start. He's from New Orleans, so it's kind of interesting that he makes the homecoming this week, and then he'll be in the starting lineup. But Villanova has gotten lost in the shuffle because of a major injury. And because of the fact that Duke, Carolina, and Kansas carry more of a following and have historically, but the fact is, if you've been watching college basketball close to the last five years, you would know that Villanova might be the most frustrating opponent for a team to face because they don't turn the ball over, they limit possessions, and they make three. Uh, I want to go back to what you talked about with Villanova and the loss of Justin Moore with that torn Achilles so how much does that now limit what they're uh, – you, you talked about the wing, what they have the ability to do. I mean, where now do they work the basketball? Right. Well, what they're going to do is I think they'll post up Colin Gillespie and have him back down Dewan Harris and Remy Martin. Villanova likes to post up their guards. So what, they're, what they could do is post up Gillespie, hope that he draws a double, and hope that that opens up shots for the likes of Caleb Daniels and Jermaine Samuels. And I think a key guy in this game, Bill, is is Brandon Slater. Villanova's got to get productivity out of Slater. He cannot disappear like he has at times during this tournament. They they can't afford one of the starters to have an off game now because Moore is sidelined. But what does Villanova lose? They lose that scoring burst that Moore can provide at times. He had 15 in the win over Michigan. And that was a low-scoring game. He had 21 uh, in the first-round win for Villanova over Delaware. It was Delaware, but still, Moore goes on runs of his own. Missing that means you've got to play to your strengths with the length that you have, meaning Slater, Samuels, and then Eric Dixon, the five-man. 
they have got to be able to drive the basketball, find a way to score on Kansas. Now, Kansas has been good defensively and was excellent on that end of the floor in the second half against Miami. So it's an interesting matchup here because Kansas heads into this Final Four in a better place than Villanova. But Villanova, if they can make Kansas play a slower game and get Kansas into a little bit of foul trouble, the way that Villanova's defending right now, Bill, to, to hold Houston down to just one three over the weekend, it was really impressive. They're going to need a similar type of performance because Villanova wants a game in the high 50s, low 60s. Without more scoring ability, how do you change? You have got to slow it down and muck it up a little bit. Yeah, it's a Villanova team that plays just six guys uh, in double-figure minutes, uh, so they're going to have to dig deep into that bench. Uh, I want to go over to uh, North Carolina and get back to Hubert Davis for a minute. So uh, is this a, a – because he's getting a ton of credit for where they're at, and absolutely deservedly so. The argument is, okay, there's been other coaches that have taken over programs and in their first year gone to a Final Four, and then after that they don't they don't see it again. How much of this is Hubert Davis, and how much of this was the recruiting and, and, and some of the groundwork laid by Roy Williams? Well, I think it's a combination of both, and more so the groundwork, because of the fact that, look, we have to see what happens with Hubert Davis when he's recruiting his own players and, and, and having his own guys. But uh, he deserves a, a, a lot of credit for what he's done in getting this team to play better basketball here and especially become connected on the defensive end of the floor over the last month. Carolina could not defend you and me in November and December. They didn't want to play defense. They, they, they did not want to. They were a bad defensive team. And they were firmly on the bubble in January. This team has put together quite a stretch run, and for that, the head coach should get credited. One would argue that Carolina shouldn't have even been in that predicament to begin with, that they had enough talent to not be on the bubble, but they were in a in what was a down regular season in the ACC. The ACC is at a much better NCAA tournament, but the point stands. And I think that for North Carolina, the, the things that have changed has been the backcourt. R.J. Davis and Caleb Love have pieced together the best basketball of their careers in this NCAA tournament. They are coexisting well. They're figuring out ways to make plays for one another. We knew Armando Baycott was a great player. Hubert Davis didn't need to do anything there. And Brady Maddox, the Oklahoma transfer, has been very good for this team. Shot 7 for 11 in the win over St. Peter's. What we did not know was what would happen in the backcourt for Carolina. And that's where Hubert Davis and his staff deserve credit because they're getting the most out of this town. Talking with John Fanta, college basketball analyst uh, for College Basketball on Fox, uh, host of the Big E Shootaround, and so much more. Uh, going into North Carolina's at uh, the end of the season, it seemed like when they got that win at Cameron Indoor, that lit the flame. Did it not? It did. That was an igniting point for North Carolina. And sometimes it takes the ultimate test, if you will, to bring out the best in who you are. And I think that that is the case for UNC. They entered that building that day, and people said, there's no way. There's just no way Duke's losing this game. It's Coach K's last show. It's all Duke all the time. Blue Devils are going to roll. Carolina's not even that good. Well, that was all Carolina needed to hear to put out a performance that will live on in the history books. And it, it flipped something for this team. It's had them playing a different style of basketball ever since. 
It's had them playing a physical style of basketball. Now, that was the igniting point. Duke would like to put out that flame, though. And this is such a fascinating scenario. It's sweet revenge on the line for the Blue Devils and a chance to get 40 more minutes, the last 40 minutes available for Mike Krzyzewski in a national championship game. Or it's North Carolina's opportunity. Who more fitting to say they ended Coach K's career than the arch rival, the Tar Heels? Yeah. So that served as an igniting point. Will the fire keep growing or will Duke put it out? I'm talking with John Fanta, college basketball analyst. Uh, look at the matchup between Jay Wright and Bill Self. Now, Jay Wright obviously has to overcome the injury and the loss, uh, and Bill Self, very quality coach as well. Who do you give the nod to X's and O's wise on that side of the bracket? I give the nod to Jay Wright on the X's and O's front because I think that Jay's offense is, is just so well run. And I, I think Coach Self is a great schemer, but – I have to give Jay the slight edge just because I think that Jay Wright has had to build a system, especially this year, that's fitting of his personnel as opposed to Kansas, which which this is nothing against Coach Sell. But the fact is he's got on-paper talent that is exceptional. I mean, Ochai Baji's All-American caliber talent. Remy Martin on his best day is that good. He lets those guys be them. And, and so it's different. It's different systematically, but I would go with Jay Wright. That's the, that's the only shot that Villanova has in this game. And it's why the line on this game right now is four, because Villanova's gotten the respect and Jay Wright's gotten the respect nationally. If, if we're talking about other coaches here, the line might be six and a half, seven, even eight, because you lose a superstar and you have no bench. Logic would tell you that's, that's three, four baskets in a game. But Jay Wright turned the respect of the country to say, ah, oh, it's going to hover around four because he is a really good X's and O's schemer, and he's got a week. He brought this up in his media availability yesterday, Bill. Jay Wright said to the press, in the first couple weekends of the NCAA tournament, you only get three days to prepare because you're playing Thursday, Saturday, or Friday, Sunday. But in the final four, you get a full week to adapt, to prepare, to get ready for this game. Make no mistake about it. Jay Wright's going to adapt. He'll have his group ready. And it's the reason why they're not a heavier underdog is because Jay Wright knows how to X and O's with the best of them. So I give the advantage to him. I give the advantage. I just don't know if they're going to be able to overcome the loss of Justin Moore. I, I probably have to. I probably have to pick Kansas in that game. Here's the one thing, and you go back to what you said about Duke and North Carolina. Duke's got it in the back of their head. They got beat on their home floor in that atmosphere, and really they're one of their big games of the season, and they got beat handily by North Carolina. North Carolina's bigs on the inside were strong, were powerful that day at Cameron Indoor. I got to think that's lingering in the back of their head, which is why I might have to pick North Carolina in that contest. Yeah, I disagree. I think Duke wants absolute revenge, and I think they're going to be ready to, to play this game. And I think that Duke has found something that they didn't have that night at Cameron Indoor. And for the record, I'm with you on Kansas. I agree with you there. At some point, talent trumps whatever X and O's you do. Mm-hmm. Kansas, Kansas should win this game. But I think that Duke has found something here. And what they found is the ability to finish on the offensive end of the floor. 
They had six players with nine-plus points in the win over Arkansas, an Arkansas team that shut down Gonzaga's offense. You look at Jeremy Roach and what he's done in this tournament. He's calm, cool, and collected in the biggest of moments. Trevor Keels has, has showed he can come off the bench and supply something. And A.J. Griffin was big time against Arkansas. And, and A.J. Griffin has been really good as this tournament's gone on. And I didn't even mention the name Paolo Bancaro in those previous sentences. Bancaro is the most talented player on the floor in this matchup in terms of overall skill set. But Duke doesn't over-rely on him to win, which is what I like about the way that they have built out this team. The biggest thing in this matchup is who wins between Armando Baycott and Mark Williams because Baycott is a machine. Okay, there's some people out there mm-hmm. who argue he was the best player in the Atlantic Coast Conference. Mark Williams had 12 points, 12 rebounds, shot six for six from the floor. He was an absolute beast in the regional final for the Blue Devils. He's got to bring his A game for Duke to win. I think he will. I think the Blue Devils will be ready for revenge. Carolina's not getting them consecutive times. I like Duke. Uh, I know uh, you're over there in Jersey, but you're a Cleveland guy. Are you still a Browns fan? I was a Browns fan before Deshaun Watson. I'll be a Browns fan after Deshaun Watson, which means I'm a Browns fan now. I mean, okay, that, that's just checking. Back. Yep. Deshaun so are you excited Watson to get human? Deshaun Watson there, or are you, uh, you kind of cringing a bit? Yeah, I, I'm cringing. Obviously, yeah. uh, can't support the human. Anybody yeah. who's supporting the human or looking past this is disgusting, to be, yeah. to be candid, honest with you. Uh, that being said, I'm not giving up the, the fact that I'm a, I'm a fan of the. I, I put up with 0 and 16 and 1 and 15, and right. didn't leave the. So I'm not because of one. Here's the thing: this isn't the first time that one of these these guys has been welcomed back to the National Football League, and it won't be the last time. The NFL is a fantasy land. I love the NFL. We love the NFL. America loves the NFL. America has turned their head at times in the NFL with tons of different things that have occurred with, with athletes who have done bad things off the field, but because the NFL is a fantasy land, you're allowed to play. So I've always been a Browns fan. I'm not going to give up my fandom of the team. I'm not a fan of Deshaun Watson, the human being. Uh, I, I find it disturbing that he's allowed to play games considering everything that's up in the air. And we'll see what the NFL decides, but do I understand why the Browns did it from a talent standpoint? I do, because the Cleveland Browns complete, compete in the same division as Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, and although they don't have a quarterback that's, that's formidable, the Steelers, who are tough as nails and have Mike Tomlin on the sidelines. So if you're trying to win your division and make a playoff run, you need elite quarterback play. And the fact is Baker Mayfield wasn't supplying that. John, great stuff as always. We dipped into football. You covered it well, and I appreciate it. We'll talk again soon, okay? Thanks, Bill. Anytime. You the man. Appreciate it. There you go. John Fanta, play-by-play for college basketball on Fox. He's host of the Big East Shootaround uh, and all kinds of other NBA TV, Big, e- Big East Digital, ESPN+. Plus, and you can see his stuff all there. John Fanta joining us for a couple of minutes. When we come back. When we come back, we are uh, going to hear from the head coach of the Green Bay Packers, some of the things that he had to say. And that quote that I was going for before, you'll hear it in its exact verbiage coming from the head coach himself. Uh, So stay tuned. Coming up right after this. 
Ready. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. The Bill Michael Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.